Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to Stop. Hammer time. And it's a very unusual stop hammer time this week. We're just talking about one game of football. One week has passed since the last podcast we did. And in the interim, we've just played once. One game of football against another football team in the traditional footballing system of playing another team and then playing one a week later. Uh, We've been throwing away that old-fashioned, outdated mode of playing football and playing about three games in a week lately. Um, But we've just played one game and that's what we'll talk about and matters arising from that. Joining me this week, uh, Jim Grant. Good evening. Jim, Good, evening. Good evening. Hello. Everything yeah. all right? Yeah. Uh, and two special guests this week are uh, joining us. Now, if this, was, uh, uh, if this was a different podcast in a parallel universe, I would say to talk about our game against Crystal Palace is legal eagle Russell Raphael. But I won't because that's uh, very crappy. Uh, but it is Russell Raphael who we first met as uh, Don of the Hammer, when, Russell, you did your blog, uh, connecting the twin subjects of West Ham United and Wagner. Um, are you still doing that blog? I'm not. It's still there on the Ethernet somewhere. Right. No, I've moved on to another You've thing. moved on to another thing, which we have discussed um, in the last couple of years uh, in our Zoom uh, Stop Hammer Times. Uh, you are now very interested in James Joyce's book, Ulysses. Yeah, I, it's I like- a good book. Yeah, it's good. You, you like it. It's a good book. Uh, Jim, I think we established you haven't read it. No, I have read it, yes. Twice, in fact. Oh, you've, you've twice, read it twice. Exactly. I thought you hadn't read it. No, no, it's Finnegan's Wake that I gave up. Ah, on. yeah, yeah, Finnegan's Wake. That's <clears throat> right. That's right. Um, and you do a, you're doing a blog about uh, Ulysses. What's that blog called, Russell? Um, well, I've, it's, it's more what happened was I gave a series of lectures on it and um, for reasons I, I can't, can't explain. Um, and it ended up running pretty much throughout lockdown. Right. And, so I've, and then I published that in a book called An Understanding of Ulysses, and that is on a, web, on a website, and I do a little blog from that website. But it's really about this book. And, yeah. 
That's great. You've now joined the pantheon of guests we have on this podcast who are authors, of which there are, in fact, many. But I think mainly they write about West Ham. Um, don't they? Yeah, I think it's stretching a point to call me an author. It's, like, it's no, been, you've written a book, and that's exactly what authors do. That's if you uh, well, if you'd fought a bull, I'd call you a bullfighter. <laughs> uh, and you've written a book, so I'm going to call you an author. Yeah, these days you can you 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 know you jot a few things down, and then you can pay someone money to publish it, and then you've got a book. That's what but, Jeffrey Archer um, does. Well, in fact, that's what yeah. Barbara Cartland used to do. She used to write. She used to write like three books a day or something. But what she used to do was lie on a couch and dictate them to some lackey, didn't she? Uh, and the lackey must have had to do a lot of kind of sorting out, I reckon. Well, the uh, thing is, I have achieved. I've, I've the, the good thing about buying a book is that you can then place it on a bookshelf with your name on it, yeah. and in a certain position where it looks good. So I put it in between. <laughs> A book by Anthony Burgess and one by Vladimir Nabokov. And then right. I'm sort of in between there. So I can pretend that that's Three where I belong, even though where I belong, obviously, is in the Billy Bond stand. Um, or where I originally was. I can remember where I was in 1969, my first season ticket. That's sad, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that is sad. Anyway, also joining us, a good friend of the podcast, and uh, uh, also uh, the grandson of a legendary West Ham player and indeed a, a chairman, Rob Chapman? Chief Executive. Chief Executive. That, that, that was him. That's not you. Oh, Don't okay. have to call me that. That was him. Yes. So, yeah. Eddie Chapman. Eddie. That's your right. Eddie. Eddie Chapman is my granddad. Yeah. Eddie was. Chapman, your grandfather, uh, was not only played for West Ham, was, but was the uh, chief executive of... He uh, was indeed. Yeah. Club secretary before that. Um, well, that... Yeah. 49 years continuous service. Yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. In fact, uh, when you first came on the podcast, you were wearing what we thought might be a West Ham sort of replica shirt that had a retro <laughs> look to it. But in fact, it was, whose shirt was it? Peter Braybrook. Peter, Peter Braybrook. Yeah. yeah. Peter Braybrook's actual shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I Very smelly. Incredibly yeah, I mean, I obviously haven't watched it <laughs> since, yeah. but uh, yes, I, I went, my dad gave it to me uh, because yeah. it actually fits me. So uh, I do wear it to games. Uh, Did well. he get I like to convince it? myself it's lucky, and it really is. It really, really isn't lucky. But I like to convince myself it is because no. everyone needs a lucky shirt. Did he get that shirt by standing in the crowd holding a homemade sign saying "Peter Braybrook, will you <laughs> yeah. give me your shirt?" I think I think he had like one of those sort of like walking sticks. He could just sort of yank it off from the side. Oh, like, he, yeah, did, like, yeah. he used to hug the wings. Like that. That worked quite well, I think. So yes. in front of the chicken run, very close to the, the pitch those days, weren't they? Yes, that's right. Very close. <laughs> may, may I interject with a bizarre coincidence? and a segue to when I just said about where I got my, I can remember where I was when I had my first season ticket, which by the way was West End, Block C, Row J, Seat 38. And that was 1969. And then when I went to... I can't remember my currency. No, no, I can't can't either. But I do remember nine years old. Nine years old. And then they were little books with very nice waxy bits that it was nice to feel. And then for my second year... I, for some reason, I had to go and collect it in person. I knocked on the door as a little boy, and the door opens, and there was Ron what Greenwood. You mean, sorry, what door? The door of West Ham United? The <laughs> yes. door of the door yes. of the bowling ground? <laughs> Do not ask me how, but there I was. I go in, in the, some point in the summer, approaching the start of the season, you know, I went up to get my season ticket. Ron Greenwood, the door opened to the secretary's <laughs> office, your grandfather's office, and it was Ron Greenwood. And I just looked up like this and I couldn't, words did not come out of my mouth. And your grandfather was stood just behind him and they were having a chat in the office. 
and your grandfather gave me my second season ticket. Fantastic. I mean, ironically, he gave me my first one as well. So, but I guess that's probably what makes more sense, doesn't it? So, yeah. (laughs) That really gives the impression that West Ham United is basically like a sort of shop that sells well, football. <laughs> yeah, so, you, yeah. so you go and knock on the door and it sort of makes that ding-a-ling on Greenwood standing there and you go, I can I have some football, please? I put it sounding more like uh, a version sort of Alice in Wonderland where you kind of knock on a door and, and, and strange yeah. characters appear. Having just drunk a <laughs> bottle of, of saying, drink me. and what, Was it a very small door that you had to drink? <laughs> it was a very, uh, very large door. For a little right. boy, um, but you could go over the road and knock on the door, and the captain of the World Cup winning football team would let you in sold you a football shop. shirt. We had a sports yes. shop. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember his uh, sports shop. Yes, yes. Or oh, it's like Hogwarts and Lee Hodges is Dobby. Is that Dobby? That's that would be Lee Hodges, possibly. <laughs> a very small player, anyway. So. Um, no, the only game of football we played was at the weekend. We played uh, Crystal Palace and uh, we, we won 3-2. And uh, um, uh, this made a lot of people furious. <laughs> 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 Absolutely furious that uh, so so we, we won this game uh, in such a, 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 a an offensive fashion to all uh, fans of good football that we we conceded two goals after we'd scored our three and that uh, spoiled everyone's day and uh, people were furious and kicked their TVs in like when the Sex Pistols swore on the Bill Grundy show. <laughs> It was baffling, isn't it? Because, I mean, yes. you, you, we've had people complain since the dawn of time that, uh, you know, they don't mind the score. They'd happily watch us lose 5-3 if we're playing exciting football and mm. then we lose. And they say, no, actually, we just want winning football. You know, we can sacrifice the style as long as we uh, we win games. And we are both playing exciting football that leaves the door open at the back and winning games and people still aren't happy. What do people want exactly? We've got our, you know, 19th choice back line who've played every single game since the mid-70s, seemingly, because everyone's been injured for so long. And we're still winning games and playing fun football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the goals were really good, weren't they? They're great. Uh, uh, You know, the... the, They they were uh, two absolutely terrific goals, and good to see us getting back in the kind of scoring habit. A sort of you know, there's been a few games uh, where we sort of haven't scored enough times to win them, uh, combined with not playing as well as we can. Uh, but um, you know, with goals. Goals coming from Suchek a couple of games ago and uh, a goal coming from Lanzini and um, uh, Mikel finding his scoring boots again uh, because his, you know, his predatory finish of uh, Ben Rama's cross was uh, a joy to behold, wasn't it? Mm, And that cross as well. Yeah, brilliant. My favourite since Faubert at Goodison Park for Ilan. Yeah, for Ilan's header. Yeah. 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 It's gorgeous. There were three... Similar goals, three remarkable crosses, one for us, two for them. Mm. Um, and it was strange. How, I mean, what, whatever you think about our defending for the free kick and Fabianski, whether he could have done something or not, it was really difficult to defend that. And I think yes, it, it was. was yeah. and, and so the two Palace goals and Ben Rama's cross were, were all quite similar. 
Yeah, the free Quite kick was a sort of, the free with... kick had an element of Arthur Masuaku about it in that it was intended <laughs> to be headed into the net by one of the men standing there waiting for it to come across and it just sort of went all the way through, didn't it? But that sort of, that is kind of, I think, part of what that corridor of uncertainty they talk about yeah. is, that it's like no one quite knows whether to attack it or who should attack it. And so it quite often can go all the way through. Yeah, it's got to be cut out somewhere yeah. in front of the near post. Once that sort of cross gets beyond that, any ricochet from defender or attacker, yeah. it's probably going in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we, yes, it was a very good free kick. And, and uh, Ben Rama's, you know, really whacked it. It went across at great speed, didn't it? And, uh, I mean, it, it would have gone out for a throw-in had someone not connected with it. And, uh, you know, Antonio just just lunged for it, you know, uh, which is sort of the type of goal that we thought that Allaire might score more of, you know, attacking the six-yard box in sort of David Cross style. Um, but it was, uh, you know, the Lanzini goal was uh, 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 just terrific, I thought. Um, it was sort of, it's funny because as I was thinking about it today, it sort of, you know, it, it, it felt like a sort of wonder goal, a bit like uh, Di Canio in the 2002-03 season away at Chelsea because it had that element of adjusting it in the air. And then you get those goals like that Bergkamp one where he does that weird pirouette in the area, put it in, you know, obviously gazers against Scotland. But the thing about Lanzini's is that he's sort of improvising. It's, it's get the ball is getting away from him with each sort of touch. And he's the mental adjustment going from brain yeah. to feet in hundredths of a second is sort of what he brings because he's got a very quick brain to feet, you know, synapse connection or whatever. He's able to action things he intends to and adjust every single time because the ball nearly gets away with him with at least the first two touches. And it just happens, and that's to, be, quite right. just happens to be think, in midair when his brain goes, shoot, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, and he, I think it was better than the Decanio one in that respect because the Decanio one, he flicks it up and hits it. I'm not mm. detracting from the brilliance of it. But no. he knew what he was setting out to do and he did it. And uh, amazing, it went in from a, from a long way out. Whereas, as you say, with Lanzini, it was never... There were like four different phases to that little move and he had to rethink in each one and he just did it so fluently. Yes, um, yes. It was really quite special. Well, Very it's that elegant. sort of... It's that, you know, quite often his... Um... You know the Spurs goal and the goal against City. They're 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 they actually in a way come out of nowhere. They're 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 sort of magical moments. It's like that. Mm. He's got no right to score the one against Spurs, but he does. And the City one is just a sort of brilliant instinctive shot right into the top corner. <clears throat> but yeah, also sorry. included a a, a a volley it up for himself to hit, didn't it? I mean, it was yeah. you know he's done it, he's done it twice this season. Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic goal. It's one of those ones where you look at it and you go, like, your average Sunday league clogger, one in every thousand attempts, the ball can come across and they can hit a volleyed wonder goal. And they're often the ones that win the goal of the month on match of the day or whatever it is because they look spectacular. Mm. There is no way anyone other than the most supremely technically gifted person could score that goal against yeah. Palace because the amount of different phases that there are to it, all of which have to be perfectly technically yes, You couldn't fluke a goal like that in the yeah. way you can just swing your boot at a volley from 35 yards and one in every thousand is going to fly into the top corner. That was It was special, properly special. Yeah, it was. And it won't win goal of the month. 
annoyingly. No, no. So because of whatever happened uh, later that is it later that day or the next day or something? At, uh, well, at it's, it's it's yes, okay, but uh, it's a better goal than coverage. Coverage is a fantastic mm. shot, but it was that was one of those uh, smash it with my laces and it and, yeah, exactly, and it, right? it goes in off the post a bit like Lanzini's one against against Spurs. You know, they are they're spectacular to watch, but I agree with you don't have the same level of technical um, uh, acumen on display. But I think it's, it's partly what you say, Rob, but it's also partly who scored it. If yeah. Ronaldo had scored that goal, it would be goal of the month every day of the week. I, I mean, it, uh, you know, there is this kind of still, this kind of, and the fact that it's voted for in the way that it is, you know, if Salah had scored it, it would be goal of the month. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. They just have more voters, right? So. <laughs> Well, also, you know, yeah, absolutely. It's partly that, but it's also partly the kind of, the, you know, the, the usual sort of media narratives that surround football, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, they, I think they are interested in us now, the media, you know. That, yes, more so. That sort of little yeah. adventure last season, which is continuing yeah. this season, I think has, you know, they like to... They do like to feel that they've sort of, you know, like when people think they've discovered a band that no one else knows about. When in fact, <laughs> what blur? No, I've I've heard of them. I mean, uh, the goal apart. Um, you've also got to mention another perfectly taken penalty. Oh, yeah, second. yeah. And generally, his his you know his standard of play. Yeah, he, it is an extraordinary renaissance, actually, isn't it? Yeah, a lot yeah. of people had really written Lanzini off. Um, mm. And we have felt, you know, for a couple of seasons now, he just kind of lost that that little yeah. like, something. Let's talk a little bit about him in the, Let's spot. talk a little bit about him um, in a minute, because I, I want to come on to another subject that sort of links to Lanzini. But just to, just to finish off talking about the game itself, I mean, that's now two wins, seven goals, because... It has been a little bit yo-yo this last few weeks after the Chelsea win um, when you did the podcast uh, with Mark Sandel, Jim. There's a sort of very buoyant mm. mood in it. But then it yeah. to lose kind of once more after that as well as kind of losing our European game suddenly made that Chelsea win seem to be a little bit on its own in an island and a blip yes. rather than yeah. sort of a continuation of some good form. It was now looking like bad form generally with a blip in it so it's good to get back in Um, the winning habit with these two it is absolutely um and and to be fair to sort of we were kind of jesting about it at the start but to be fair we you know we didn't we played a very poor Watford team in in that game and 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 rightly kind of you know put them to the sword we were good in patches really good in patches uh and the spell where we scored our goals blew Palace away but actually, you know, they were good and we were troubled by them defensively throughout the game, not just in the... Yeah. It wasn't just a game of two halves there. They, 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 were, they hit the woodwork twice in the first half and were the yeah. better side pretty much throughout the game, really, apart from our little kind of blitzy spell. And, um, you know, the defensive side of things is a worry. It's great that we are scoring those goals from open play that we were bemoaning earlier in the season, you know, that the kind of final balls are starting to, mm. to emerge and people are sticking the ball in the net and that's brilliant. But I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, you just can't keep having to score two or three goals to win a football match. So that's not sustainable if our ambition is to, if the club's ambition is, is to challenge for the top, for the top four. Um, so, 
one way or another, things have got to be sorted out defensively. I take the point that obviously, you know, we're missing key key players, um, but uh, the, I, you know, the the collapse in Diop's form is is alarming. I think mm. he was. Uh, I know Masuaku t- took a lot of flack for his performance in the in the second half, but I think really, you know, it's Diop who seems to be the big worry at, at the moment. Whether or not it's Diop and um, you know Dawson and Masawaku in sort of in combination, um, uh, but but he makes errors. It was a, a rash challenge that led to the free kick for the second goal, for example. Um, he's he's uh, Watford's goal. He was <clears throat> he was badly at fault, I thought, um, in that game. Uh, and actually, Masawaku when he came on did better against IU than than Johnson had been doing. Uh, and got close to him and put tackles in. It was when I switched across and they bought the um, the the, uh, the substitute yeah. on. I've forgotten his name. The guy who scored the free Alisi. Yeah, that that you know, Masuaka struggled more against him. I thought, but it did a good job on Ayu, who was terrorising us in the first. Ayu in the first half was was superb. I thought for them. What did you think, guys? Technically, Masuaka, I believe, had the most tackles of any player. Yes, he did one half. Mm. Uh, which, but they were, I mean, you'd imagine they were targeting him. I mean, I'm, I'm sympathetic because we, we the set, whole of the second half, we played with none of the back four that started against Liverpool. And if you no. if you think that Moyes now has preference to play Johnson on the right, not Souffal, um, and obviously you have Masuaku, Souffal, and then Dawson and, and Diop, there are not many sides, let alone those that are sort of trying to push the top half of the table that could could maintain any kind of form with none of their first choice back no. four. No, no. Um, <clears throat> what we don't... And actually, they're not the worst we've had as backup centre-backs. No, no, no. We, no we've no, we've no. had worse. And, you know, Dawson, I thought, was man of the match in a wretched team performance against Arsenal. He was one of yeah. the only players that actually yeah. came out with much credit. Uh, Diop does blow hot and cold, doesn't he? It's a bit, a bit worrying. He does, he does. Uh, I don't know whether... I, you know, I... I, I, I I haven't really sort of kept track on, you know, what side people are playing on. There's been a little bit of um, Dawson and Diop doesn't work because they're both playing on the wrong side or something like that, you know, that I'm not really kind of quite au fait with. But, um, you know, he... Diop's been playing left side, I think, hasn't he? Yeah. So that he has got the hospital pass out of of the two of them. Yeah. Because neither of them can play on the left side of a centre-two. No. Um... Yes, he's, he does blow hot and cold. It's a, it's a shame. I, you know, I really like him. I, I think he's, um, you know, that Pellegrini season where we finished tenth. He was an ever present. He was, you know, kind of first name on the team sheet. And when he's come in, um, he's been good as well. And obviously, in the kind of non Premier League games, the 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 Carabao Cup and the so European games, he's been, you know, absolutely fine. If not actively I- good. I agree. And that's what's so alarming about it because mm. he seems to have turned to absolute mush. You know, I, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's really worrying. I, 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 I thought, you know, the, those games where he stepped up that, you know, he's, he started alongside Zuma in that, in that, um, away game at, um, Zagreb and was fantastic. Um, you know, he's looked fine. We know he's a decent player. It, it's, it's a form thing, isn't it? Um, I, I think it is some, possibly something to do with the combination. Um, yeah. And I don't think you can simply isolate a back four when it comes to 
a team not you know not not doing as well as it can defensively because I I, I think they've not been covered as well by Suchek and Rice as has been the case in in, in earlier in the season so. You know, I think it's an issue, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, I thought it's great to win when you don't when you don't play your best, and the goals are brilliant, yeah. and, and people shouldn't moan. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, uh, let's hope Moyes has got a plan to put it right. Yeah. I think he has. I think it's an issue that will be resolved because we will either buy another um, proper centre back this month, which makes uh, Diop fifth choice, which means he will probably go, or Zuma will come back quicker than we thought, in which case Diop, again, is probably not a regular first-team player. And when he is, he's alongside Zuma. And I think that makes an enormous difference because I yeah. did, did Zuma, um, when Zuma played with Diop, did Zuma take the left-hand berth? I can't remember. I'm, but I think, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think Diop no? has tended to come in on the left-hand side uh, uh, but I think, um, I think that, is where he's, not that is where he's exposed. Was it against um, was it against Burnley last season where those couple of they were targeted him with long balls over the top and he really had a, a really worrying ten or fifteen minutes. Uh, uh, he seems to be a confidence player. We we had when he first mm. broke into the team, he looked very good. Marino came out with that comment about him, but I think yeah. that was more about him being. Um, a stopper. I don't think his distribution was ever brilliant, even though it, when it was better this season, it was against the European teams. And I worry, even Zagreb, how Zagreb compare to uh, lower to middle league Premier League teams uh, and uh, who who know him better, who target him. And I think he's been yeah. found out a little bit. Yes, I think so. I mean, it's, it's not irredeemable, well, but I don't think he can't hmm. be our... He can't be our first or no. second choice centre-back. He's not good enough for that. I mean, one point I made last week was the, I guess, the Pellegrini, the good Pellegrini season, of which there was only one. Um, we were a very attack-minded outfit. And, uh, you know, the last season and this season, we have um, sort of deployed a tactic of a little bit of soak it up and hit them on the break. And maybe it's just he just doesn't, can't stay, you know, his head or his body can't stay in the game uh, playing, you know, attritionally for kind of 90 minutes. Because one thing about him, I remember when he first came through, was we were quite impressed uh, that the, if the other team weren't troubling us too much, he'd practically be in their half. You know, he, he Tompkins had that in him as well, as if Tompkins was with, you know, a little bit more of a stopper like Winston Reid or James Collins, he would look to carry the ball out of defence. He would look to, uh, you know, cut off moves somewhere in the centre circle. And um, that's what seemed to be kind of what was good about Diop was that he was quite quick. He covers a lot of ground very quickly. Um, he was happy to carry the ball out of defence. Um, but if you have a style that's slightly predicated on letting teams play in front of you and being very disciplined and very marshaled, perhaps it's just not so much in his will. Yeah, and I wonder whether we have a clear tactic and I'm not very good at understanding tactics or spotting it, but we yeah. we seem to, um, with Rice and Suchek in front of them, it's very difficult to play through us, generally speaking. So mm. we we tend to leave space on the flanks, which sends people down there to put crosses in because we think... We're fine. Let them put crosses in. We can deal with them. Fabianski is not the sort of goalie that will dominate his 
area, his six-yard box, never mind his area, he tends to stay rooted. So it really leaves a lot of pressure on the two centre-backs. And I do wonder if Diop is just not that not that suited. You know, he could be, you only need to make one mistake in the game and then suddenly we've got yeah. to score two or three goals. Yeah, think, absolutely. You think this is why he's probably well suited to the European game, which is that, you know, firing in crosses doesn't tend to be as much of a feature in continental Europe as it no. does tend to be here. No. Um, and also you just get that fraction of a second longer to think, I think, because the pace of the game, even in the Europa League, tends to be just ever so slightly slower, a little bit more cultured and a bit more sort of build-up play, which again would suit a player that's not, you know, maybe that's not his strongest suit with Diop, you think. So again, it, it's unsurprising that he looked like a world-beater at Osea. Yeah, um, yeah. And you can see him being a success at another European club. It's yeah. whether he's, he can improve that decision-making speed of thought um, and adapt his game accordingly. Because again, you know, clearing headers out of the box has never really been his strong suit right from the very beginning, even when he was good. So yeah. it's just the trouble is you wonder whether it's good money after bad because he's, you know, he costs a lot of money, didn't he? 20-something million, was it? Yeah, yeah, as a young lad, I mean, he was only yeah. about twenty-two, wasn't he, when he when when he came? So he's still he's still in in centre half life, yeah. term, still relatively young, but he just doesn't seem to be developing in the way you would have hoped for that kind of investment. Exactly, it seems yeah. to me, no, no, um, and particularly and, when we we bought the Toulouse captain, so we really sorry, thought, Toulouse, not there. Yeah, of course. Mm. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> we, we 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 thought we had not only a decent footballer, but quite a special character that had been yeah. made a captain at that young age. And yeah. he doesn't seem to have developed <clears throat> that sort of personality. No, no. no. I think you're um, right about confidence, though. And I think some of the yeah. mistakes he's, he's made, the, the mistake, you know, the, 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 the challenge that led to the free kick, for example, was almost about trying to be too keen, too, you know, diving in a little bit. It's ju- that kind of judgment that you need sometimes and, and wanting to show that you are, committed so I feel sorry for him in a way because because um you know coming in and slotting into a to a defense as a sort of backup when the other three are, are there and playing is is a whole different yeah. fish to having to forge a new kind of partnership and it just feels that him and and Dawson who is an old-fashioned blood and guts style British defender isn't he um mm. It's a kind of odd, it's not a match made in heaven. It doesn't seem, they don't seem, they're often too far away from one another. The Watford goal was a really, really good example of that. And they, Palace first goal, right, you know, somebody has allowed, Suchek possibly at fault as well, but somebody has allowed, there's a triangle of Suchek, Dawson and, and Diop and um, Edouard in acres of space in the middle, you know, in the middle, along the hypotenuse of that, of that triangle, you know, and, uh, you know, between them, they needed to have got that sorted out. And I think it was probably Dawson more at fault because he's seeing it, the game's in front of him. He's looking that in that direction. Yeah, he needed yeah. to be closer. Hmm. Mm. Um, we'll uh, we'll pick this up after this message. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. 
from dope 250 watt city bikes to Harley Bobber inspired 750 watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Um, yes, we... Well, we were troubled in the second half and it was a very nip and tuck and we were very worried towards the end of the game. But, you know, we weathered that storm and that's, you know, that's good. I think, um, you know, three three down with a half of football left is, is, you know, oddly, you know, Sam Allardyce would immediately invoke this as an excuse, but it is quite a dangerous thing because it goes a sort of run chase to the other team, as we saw against Spurs you know, to our benefit. And we saw against Arsenal to their benefit. And as Liverpool saw in Istanbul all those years ago, it's sort of, um, I I suppose in a way, so you've got nothing to lose when you're three down, but still have enough time to score three goals. Um, Yeah. And absolutely, it's it's an absolute go sign, isn't it? It's just like, fuck it, go for it. Yeah. And psychologically, you're 3-0 up. You have, in effect, in a sense, you know, you should have the game won. Yeah. And it's it's a it's I think psychologically natural not to play at quite the same intensity. Yeah. Uh, but it's also actually right in terms of games management and the fixtures and the squad that we yeah. we know is something. You know, you want to conserve. You want to go yeah. balls out. You know, you you should be able to control the game, manage it, see it out without. You know, and and of course, yeah. If the opposition get one back, that that changes the dynamic, doesn't it? And ironically, if they get you know, or oddly, if they if they get that goal back sort of latish in the game, it's harder to turn your ship around, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it wasn't a normal 3-0 th- lead. That first half wasn't. Utterly no, no, that's true, us. yeah. So yeah. the half-time, Palace's half-time team talk would have been quite straightforward. You know, he would have said, look, you made four, five or six guilted chances. You had, you know, really good chances in that half. If any of those had gone in, You'd yeah. be, you'd be great. Yeah. Just carry on. You've dominated them. Chances will come. They'll yeah. start. Once you get one, it will go. Anything can happen. Blah blah blah. So they would have come out thinking, "We don't deserve this. No, we, we're no. going to carry on as we were." And th- you know, eventually, one of these going in. I always thought we would manage. We would see out the game because I thought we'll score again. I didn't mm, see yeah. us keeping us out for the whole of the half. That was no. what didn't quite happen in the second half, but I wasn't surprised that they got a, a goal or two because their play deserved it. Yeah, they must have been angry about that penalty as well. It was a sort of strange one, wasn't it? I mean, it it it, it was very weird. I mean, it's an odd thing for um, Milivojevic to sort of do. I think it was... He slightly misjudged the bounce of the ball, didn't yeah. he? The ball yeah, bounced very bounce, strangely. Yeah. And I think it was like... It was an almost involuntary action that his arm... Race, you know. Sometimes when a player is on the line and a shot comes at them, their arm just comes out and they handle it. You know, it was a sort it's of one of those. <clears throat> the if, bounce. If it, if it, gone. Sorry. sorry. If, if it happens, if it happens to you, you think I can't put my finger on why that shouldn't be a penalty because everything <laughs> about it means it is a penalty, yeah. and yet I really feel that was wrong. 
Yes, if, if it, has to, it doesn't feel like that should have been. I don't think. I don't think it was harsh at all. It's absolutely. Well, no, it, it's a stone wall, but yeah, it's, it's it, unfortunate. It, yeah. There was the West Ham. The ball we're not trying to score. It's not denied any style scoring opportunity. It was handball. It was in the area. It was below the shirt line. All the rest of it ticks all the boxes. It has to be a penalty, and yet it feels ridiculously harsh. Feels unfair because it was. It was just one of those things. There was a weird. uh, There was a game at the weekend where Manchester Manchester City's goalkeeper. What's his name? Ed Edison. Edison. Did they? Was it against Arsenal in that game that they were sort of quite lucky to win? Where. He comes out and they go, oh, he gets a tiny finger on the ball. So it's not a penalty it for was his Arsenal. Foot. So he right? came out to basically yeah. slide tackle. And it, it depends on the yeah. angle. It either looks like he hits um, Odegaard, doesn't it? His foot before yeah. he hits yeah. the ball or he hits the ball before he hits the foot. Yes. But they yes. couldn't overrule the decision because you, exactly. you need a clear and obvious That's error. Yeah. And you couldn't say that the referee had made a clear and obvious yeah. error because it could have gone either way. But, it's but so yeah, if you're Arsenal, it looks really harsh. It's so, so infuriating because, you know, I'm thinking of the Sue Fowl, um, you know, the, the free kick against... Um, uh, <laughs> Well, it's against um, Arsenal. When he got sent against off. Against Arsenal, oh, when he yes. got sent off. You know, because it's... They, part of the stupidity of VAR is that they they um, they look at this clip again and again and again, over and over again, and go, yes, no, he definitely touched him. He def- or, or, in this case, he definitely got the ball. He got a touch on the ball. He got a touch on the ball. So it's not a free kick or it's not a penalty. That replay absolutely shows that Sue Fowl gets a touch on the ball. Mm-hmm. And they go, yeah, it's still, that's still a foul though. And you're like, well, what have we been doing for years and years and years with these clips? Going, no, he got the ball first. He got the ball first. So it's not that thing. They go, he got the ball first. He got the ball first. So it's a foul. It's just, it's, it's just bewildering to me. I don't know what happened there. Because yeah. that's the thing about goalkeepers, isn't it? Where they get the ball, that. Bob Wilson, you know, the famous Bob Wilson role, he used to be able to get the ball and then like a bowling ball with pins, he would, you know, quite often take the player out. But because he'd rolled into this hedgehog thing to protect his, you know, head and hang on to the ball, they go, no, he's saved it. That's really good. Now they would go, he's taken the player out. He's cleaned the player out. Yes, he got the ball, but he also cleaned the player out. And, um, you know, what happens after you've claimed the ball seems to have become even more moot now with fucking VAR. It's like, he's, you know, he obviously... It's strange. They tend not to be given. When we got the three-all draw at Tottenham, there was a foul on Bale when he... It it should have been 4-2 up. Yes. And he put it... He was clean through and he put it just wide. Yarmolenko crashes into yeah, him yeah, yeah. the second after the millisecond after he shot, and yet yeah. somehow because he's already taken his shot, yeah, um, yeah. for some reason that's ignored. And there's something dead, similar yeah. happened at the weekend, where yeah. again, I, I don't know why there are certain things in football that are just uh, no, we don't give it for that. Yeah, uh, but yeah. it's yeah. hard to rationalise it. It is really, really, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? But um, yes, no, we. I mean, we held on, and uh, it was um, it, it was very good that we did. Obviously, did we, we hold on? To... That's good to know because I went uh, with four minutes to go. <laughs> I can speak with I can speak with authority for eighty six minutes. Right, and then right. My wife, we were supposed to be going out, and my wife was nagging me. You haven't started getting ready yet. Da, 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 da. You got to go, go upstairs, go. And I said, no, 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 I can't leave before the end of the game. And then with four minutes to go, I thought, oh, sod this. 
I can't. Well, I'm going up. I'm having a shave. <laughs> it, it, um, it was. <laughs> It was nearly my fault because I'd said to my brother at half time, well, there's sort of good news and bad news here. The good news is in the Premier League era, a team has only lost having led 3 0. This only ever happened in the entire oh, yeah. Premier League era three times. The bad news is one of the times it was to us. Yeah. So, West uh, Brom. Uh, Wimbledon. Wimbledon. We did lose to West Brom having been 3 0 up, but I think it was in the Championship. I think uh, it was, I think uh, it was in. But, or maybe, oh, I don't know. Interesting. Or was it 3 all? No, they no. won 4 3. Oh, We've twice in three my all, recent experience been, been relative reasons, when it's been 3 0 up and lost 4 3. Um, Phil, as we've often mentioned, <laughs> yeah. uh, came late to that Wimbledon game and we were, when yeah. we were 3 0 up. <laughs> yeah. Yep, I missed all three goals. That was also the Ian Wright dressing room incident, Mom. Was there no re- referee room incident? Was that the same game? No, oh, that's 5 yeah. 1 against Leeds, isn't oh, it? Oh, was it? Yeah, okay. uh, that's when Wrighty got point. sent off. Yes, uh, yeah, Different game. Sorry, yeah. But yeah. I, I also, my, my, uh, my brother had said, "Well, I've, I've got West Ham to win, and uh, but both teams to score when we were still you know three 0 yeah. And I said, "And this is at eighty minutes." And I said, "Well, you can have one at eighty-seven minutes, but no, yes. nothing more than that." And at eighty-three, did get slightly nervous, and then with another one on ninety, so it was nearly my family's fault. But we did just about did just enough, yeah. right? Did just enough. It was fine. Um, we were never going to lose that. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but they are. I mean, they've been a good outfit for a few years now, Crystal Palace. I think I'm. Oh, I think they're good. Well, I, I had them down. I, just show that I have no idea what I'm talking about. I had them. I was telling everyone at the beginning of the season they were going down this season because oh, really? well, because Vieira, his managerial record is a bit variable. Yeah. Um, but it was more that they had like their entire team ripped apart. They, they'd lost so many players in the summer, and they didn't. Have here to replace them with like for yeah. like. So you thought this looks vulnerable. New manager without a great record, and they've lost the entire spine of their team. Yeah. They could be in trouble here, but they've been excellent this season. No, I think well, they're, they're, very, really they're well. very good. Yeah. I yeah. think he's Arsenal manager in waiting. To um, be honest. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean they were good under Hodgson. You know, I mean they weren't going to sort of pull up any trees or sort of finish in the top six or anything. But they've sort of been looked like yeah because they've been a bit of a yo-yo club over the last few years. Um, uh, one you know, imagines them as kind of relegation threatened sort of a lot of the time. I mean, Southampton are a bit, it's a bit similar in the last few few years, but Palace have sort of, under Hodgson, were playing some good football. Obviously, they've got Zaha and, you know, he was very sensible to buy Andros Townsend and, you know, Benteke is going to put the ball in the net every now and again. And Jordan Ayew's quite good as well. They've got that Etze guy who's good, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, they're, 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 he's revolutionised them. I think they're they're mm. a decent attacking team. But well, I, I with Ho, with Hodgson, I'm not so sure about the football. But they ground out results. Yeah, they did, and they were very tough to to break down. Yeah. Now um, he seems to have retained that element of steel. I like the goalie. Um, yes. Uh, and yet, but the, the, it's the flair players that have come in. They are they are tough. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we look at how Wolves have been doing in the last six weeks. It puts out. Our well, that was one of our defeats, wasn't it? It puts that yeah, in context, context a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but great to see uh, Lanzini back. I mean, it was it, it, it you know sort of heartwarming in a sense. I think he you know he he could have been, and this was one thing I was thinking about today. One of the kind of litany of of players we've had at West Ham whose careers. Um, have ended, you know, rather tragically and abruptly early on. And it's happened while they were here, 
you know, Dean Ashton, obviously, and Jack Collison are two of those. Um, K- uh, yeah. Kieran Dyer, Kieran Dyer, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, felt with Lance that possibly he was never going to come back and that actually he was in an odd position. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if his knee... A bit like post Liverpool Julian Dix. Post Liverpool Julian Dix had a kind of, you know, relatively late bloom where he got into the frame for England left back. Was that for Euro 96 or World Cup 98? It was later than 96, I think. Do you think it was 98? Was it-, it was, wasn't it John Gorman who said he's, he's got his thuggish haircut will mean he can't? I think that was earlier because that was when he was first touted as a potential England player. 96. That was, I think, earlier. No, no, no. It's after he he comes back from Liverpool. It's either 96 or 98, I'm saying. And I think it's that. And wasn't Gorman Gorman Hoddle's assistant? Okay, maybe. I thought thought Hoddle said something about that. I don't think it was Hoddle. I think it was, it was, you know, one of the England coaching staff was sort of second. It's either 96 or my my first instinct was it's 96 and that we thought he was better than Stuart Pearce. Does it rankle, Phil, because his hairstyle's a bit like yours? Uh, Yes. Well, we can gang up on you here. For the benefit of the, uh, the listening public, Phil and I share a barber. But what I was going to say about Lanzine is that it's quite possible that, like Dix, you know, he might spend a few years where his knee is essentially like running on the rims of a car tyre because the tyre's gone and you just, you know, basically it's just bone against bone for 90 minutes, you know, every other week. I mean, Dick's basically kind of, I think, just wrecked, you know, finally just wrecked his knee for a couple of years. Uh, um, you know, because he was getting... There was a picture of the match day programme with his leg in that sort of big inflatable thing. And it became apparent that he had that after every single game, ice bath, some kind of revolutionary technology to sort of hold his knee back together to go out again for another week. And I wonder whether... Um, you know, Lanzini might have a late sort of blooming. And also that he, you know, was in a position of like not getting into the team because his form was not as good, but quite possibly unable to move because he'd fail a medical at any other Mm. club. So he's just got to basically pull down a, you know, quite large salary, enjoy living in London and be a bit frustrated. But, you know, if we can get, you know, a couple of seasons out of them, it's like, I mean, it is, you know, the it's a cliche, but it's a bit like a new signing. It, oh, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's interesting to think about it because he's not the only one in the squad. As you were talking then, I was thinking Aaron Cresswell. Yes. And we go back yeah. two or three years and we're thinking, what a shame the player he was never recovered properly from that injury. And now look at him, sort of yeah. reinvented, not as pacey as he was, we know. Um, now, whether that just happens to be that we've got two players that kept themselves fit and have a, a, a nice late career, or whether it's something to do with our coaching and the staff we have, I don't know. Mm, no, no. Um, and obviously, yeah, you got Antonio has come back from so many injuries as well. And each time, sometimes, because he's often a bit slow to start after he comes back from injuries, you think, yeah, uh, is he ever? There does, there does seem to have been a, a kind of change in whatever kind of fitness regime they they operate around Antonio, there, doesn't there? Mm. Um, yeah. Because those were those, it was hamstrings, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different kind of, you know. Um, in the end, you know, Cresswell's injury was was that thug in that in that preseason friendly. You just kind of, you know, 
scythed him, didn't he? Um, yeah. You know, and uh, didn't Lanzini do his uh, like whilst yeah. away with Argentina? Argentina in, which is not yeah. the first time that's happened. That's the same as the Ashton incident, Ashton. wasn't it? With, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Declan um, Rice last season. That was an English yeah. as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But there is, there's, there's, there's already uh, thoughts that you know uh, Lanzini might make the international squad again. Um, yeah, absolutely. With, with the World Cup coming up at the end of the year, um, if he carries on the way he's going, I mean, know, he is very it? talented. The last home game we saw, you, you just saw that he, you know, without even having to look at any statistics, you could see that his passes went to the person they were supposed to go to. You know, and. Uh, there are players, Ben Rama and Masuaku are two that spring to mind that you see passes that you kind of go, well, that, that just was never going to get to the person it intended to. You were going to bend it round the legs of the person in front of you, but that person was too close to you and you just kicked it into their legs. And now we've given the ball away. You know, you tried an ambitious pass, didn't come off. Lanzini's sort of pass completion rate i imagine without knowing must be very high his percentage is only bettered by the two manchester city center halves it's in the whole of the league. yes right. and, they're, and they're mostly passing sideways or a little bit yeah exactly. yeah yeah sure. exactly he just doesn't yeah. give the ball away. He li- he's unlike masawaki <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> give the ball away um i think he's, the most question, Robbie, he's 28 you know, if his if his knee's properly fixed, you know, uh, and I agree, actually, you know, I, I don't think because of the history and whatever, uh, people are going to be clamouring to sign him from us. I think we potentially got got him for a good few years yet. And I, I, I you know, at his best, he's he starts in front of just about every other attacking midfielder we have, to be honest. Maybe yeah. apart from Bowen. I think he's the most natural footballer we have. He's the most gifted with even even including Declan Rice. That the game just comes so easy to him. Yeah, and uh, it was Burnley last season, wasn't it? Was it Burnley away where he was a revelation? He played as a deep line midfielder. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, without having to be physical, he just kept ticking. It was like a Jorginho or that sort of Chelsea midfield type performance. Um, and we thought, well, is this a new position for him where he doesn't have to run around so much? But he seems to have gained in fitness and he's now commanding that number 10 role when he yeah. when he wants. So I totally agree, Jim, that as the years pass, he can play, he can come further back if his fitness um, fails him slightly. Well, we said this last um, week, there's always been a sort of misapprehension because he is so tiny. He is incredibly tiny, isn't he? Ben <laughs> Rama, you think of as small, but actually with his enormous ass and his quite chunky legs, he looks like a real unit compared to Lanzini, who looks like a little boy, a little boy with a beard. But he is quite, um, you know, as we said against Watford, he shouldered a big defender yeah, yeah, off yeah. him and, and took off with the ball, as he did with... Um, Lund, uh, Lundgren up at Liverpool when he first came. Yeah. Yeah, he's not your ideal Moyes player. Well, you know, there is a risk if he plays in a midfield two against yeah. big, tough guys. Yeah. He yeah. is going to be less influential. That's going to happen, though, is it? I, I think yeah. Moyes likes him. I think it's a myth that Moyes doesn't like gifted footballers. You know, oh I, no! I, I think he does like him. I think he. I think he. You can sort of see Moyes' mind working. I think when he arrived after Bilic to to have to do some kind of Red Adair type rescue job with West Ham United, he looked at 
the players' abilities. And he went, that guy's, you know, going to play every week if he's fit. Um, up front with, um, you know, the, the angry Austrian bloke. <laughs> We're going to get, get those two <laughs> to play up front. That's the only way we're going to get. And then I'm going to get another one. And then he got, you know, Zhao Mario. Um, and and then I'm going to play three at the back. And he went, that's pretty I much like, I quite like that, Zhao Mario. Well, if I remember yeah, was, him correctly, he was a... Yeah. Uh... Well, yeah. he was, you know, like Lingard, he was actually the kind of right signing for that second half of the season because we, you know, we had to put the ball in the net to stay in the division. And uh, so it was a good that he went for a kind of quite a creative, you know, Sam Allardyce to keep us in the division would have got, you know, whatever that year's pa- Papa Booba Diop was, <laughs> would have got another stopper, would have got another stopper and gone clean sheets, clean sheets, clean sheets, clean sheets. Whereas Moyes kind of went goals, 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 you know. Uh, move on out of it to the middle, get Jean Mario in, keep Lanzini. Didn't Lanzini pick up an injury that season? It, the, it was yeah. Ar- Argentina afterwards, but I think he went missing uh, because he, you know, he said this a few times, hasn't he? He's had injuries. He yeah. got his ankle crunched in the Pio season, I think, and yeah, he missed, some, that season, ga- missed some yeah. games. And he yeah. broke his collarbone one season. Yes. He broke his collarbone and went missing. I can't remember what season that was. So it's quite spotty right up until, because obviously the Argentina injury was in the closed season, I think, it was after 2018, the end of 2018, possibly for whatever tournament was that summer. Uh, World Russia? Cup. Yeah, well, yeah, it might be. Um, but yes, well, in thinking any, about any lapidurist lapid will tell you when you have a precious jewel, mm-hmm. a little jewel, you need to properly protect it in a good housing of Suchek and rice. A, a, box, a box, a box, a box, yeah, yeah, a rice box, yeah, a box of rice, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, in thinking of, uh, of players whose careers came to an untimely end while they were at West Ham, as well as the ones I mentioned, I thought defenders, uh, Webster, Simon Webster. Yes. We all saw them Web- all. We saw them all for a little bit. I remember seeing Richard Hall for like the last <laughs> game of the season. Yeah. We got him from Southampton, didn't we? And he came with a kind of. Toe injury or something, wasn't yeah, it? So, yeah, a chronic toe injury. Yeah, um, yeah. That, was, that was a rarity if you, if you saw him in the wild. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I'm, Not yeah. many have. I mean, it's up there with, like, Bigfoot or something. Yeah. Well, no, no pun intended. So. It was very sort of sunny. I think it might have been, like, the last game of the season, and it was, like, the only time he ever played. It was, it was a bit like letting the kids, you know, the end of the 95 season. I think it was the last home game where... Uh, Rio and Frank ran onto the pitch and just got some minutes for the very last game of the season. And then next season, they started to play. But I think Richard Hall, it was like that, except Richard Hall was like 32. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then we never saw him again. Simon Webster, obviously. Yes. Um, And Margas. Margas is is sort of... We've got a good season out of him. Yeah, but he still ended at West Ham. That's what I'm saying. I'm not it's, saying it's, it's he only played one player. His career destroyed ended. Yeah, destroyed us. Yeah, have yeah, you been listening, right. Russell? Yeah, <laughs> no, Boogers no. is the Boogers is the is the ultimate, isn't it? Boogers Boogers didn't last very long at all, did he? 
didn't go anywhere else after us, did he? No. Well, he sort of just uh, got dropped. How he didn't fancy well, it. Well, having nearly went... killed Gary Neville. In, in that <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, to, to prove I haven't been listening, I'll throw in Danny Williamson, who we sold yeah. just to before. Everton. He had yeah. a career-threatening injury. Oh, yeah, Matty Holmes as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 Matty Holmes, uh, we sold to Charlton, and he had... Uh, well, no, Blackburn Rovers. Blackburn Rovers. But I think he might have ended yeah. up at Charlton. Didn't he come from Charlton? Maybe he maybe came, no, from, came from Bournemouth. Was yeah, he one of yeah. the ones who came from Bournemouth? Could have, been, could have been. I think he, I think he was to... sort of part of that red nap leftover connection with Bournemouth. There were two or three players... Yeah. turned up from Bournemouth. You had the Chapman recommendation. So Ted McDougall, that was that was your grandfather's era. He would have... Uh, <laughs> I'll the yeah. fifth on that one. Yeah. I um, thinking for further about it, uh, uh, we have had... Uh, we may have a record for the most players that have been stabbed. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Winning. Davenport. <laughs> Trevor one. Morley. Trevor Morley. Davenport, Callum Davenport. Yeah. Euro Euro and Boer. Those that have had tragic ends to their career at West Ham and legal troubles, uh, I would throw into the mix a slight lateral one. This one, Herbie the Hammer. So uh, the legal uh, Russell, you're a, you're a lawyer, right? Are you, exactly. Are, yes. are, are you aware of the legal uh, troubles of, uh, of uh, Herbie um, the Hammer? I'm not, no. No, so, um, Herbie the Hammer, uh, our previous mascot before uh, replaced by Hammerhead, uh, which I'm sure we all know and love, um, mm. was uh, was sued uh, by Timmy Mallet for uh, the cuddly toy version of Herbie the Hammer sold in West Ham shop, resembling too closely the mallet from Mallet's Mallet, which was also sold oh. as a cuddly toy called uh i can't remember what it was called it's mallet's mallet anyway uh and i believe that led to a legal case which ended to the uh ultimately led to the demise of herbie the hammer to be replaced yeah. eventually by hammerhead uh, um, didn't we have and, uh, a yeah. didn't we have uh two mascots that were in fact mother and son wow yes no yes, we? yes i think yes. we did yeah, I think we did. And was that so? We that had was some that, odd mascots. That's for that sure. Herbie the one Hammer. Was, one was Bubbles the Bear. Bubbles oh, the Bear. How can, Herbie Herbie the Hammer. how can Herbie the Hammer be the mother of Bubbles the Bear? Well, it might be the other Doesn't way. I think sense. Bubbles is. Yeah, I think Bubbles would be the mother, right? <laughs> are you suggesting there are real people lurking within? <laughs> oh, you mean sorry? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the mythology here. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. about IC, as they would say. You're, you're actually talking about the people that are in the suits. I didn't know there were any. I go, okay. Uh, Uh, okay. On the topic of (laughs) tragically short West Ham careers, it it doesn't quite fit your criteria, Phil, because you did go on and and play elsewhere. But can I chuck into the mix Callum McNaughton? Does anyone remember Callum McNaughton? No. Right. Well, he, he he was much vaunted in the academy was going to be the new John Terry. Everyone was really, really excited. Wow. He made his debut in a, in a League Cup game, I think, um, uh, against Aldershot. And uh, I what got sent off. What sort of year? Uh, it was 2010. Right. And, uh, and uh, he got sent off for a sort of kind of, I think it was for a sort of professional foul. And that was it. That was his only appearance <laughs> for West right. Ham. Uh, and then he went, he ended up at Bromley. Oh right, like uh, like um, Roger like Gallagher. Yeah, 
Yeah, like a number of, uh, yeah, yeah, much of the Renegator, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, of course, we invoke this quite a lot, like when the fans yeah. were um, uh, baying for uh, Tony Martinez to play for West Ham United <laughs> because we had such a paucity of strikers. And Jim, you and I went to that away game at Shrewsbury where he ran onto the pitch and the singing stopped and was never heard again after <laughs> yeah. about one minute of seeing him play you know, professional football for a pl- yeah. Premier League team. <laughs> I mean, the the uh, was it um, was it Odebeku who came on against Man United? Yes. And again, I think I watched that with my wife, who's Irish, and she was uh, quite looking forward to his debut. And uh, maybe he touched the ball once in forty-five yeah. minutes and looked like a child lost in sort of Stratford car park. Yeah, the sub was subbed. <laughs> it was yeah. quite was bad. Yeah. So uh, um, yeah, he's back debuts. from his loan spell. Yeah, they've called a couple of people back. Uh, yeah. Um, Coventry is back from Peterborough. Yeah. Um, and the goalkeeper who went somewhere and they changed Stevenage. the manager. Nathan Trott. Yeah. 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 No, not Trott. Trot. No, no, Anang. Anang. No. Right. Yeah, Trott went Trot. abroad. Anang. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, he's back. And there's talk of um, Alves, who's, who's on loan at um, Sunderland, coming back as well, isn't mm. it? I mean, a lot of these are not that we're demanding them back. It's just that they're not getting any game time at their clubs. They don't... It doesn't make sense. Sunderland don't seem to fancy Alves. And uh, I sort of read a sort of... um, a very short article implying that, you know, it's it's not kind of a happy arrangement either between Alves and um, Sunderland. Because he's quite... Highly rated, isn't he? And he's a centre half, isn't he? So yeah. interesting to see how that goes. I've got a friend, oddly, who's a Peterborough fan, and um, he he is. They the Peterborough fans are baffled that Coventry hasn't played more because they really think he's been very good when he has played for them. Right. Um, mm. He's he's basically. I think they they're playing a very direct style at the moment, and and yeah. he's a bit too cultured for them. Possibly, I don't know. It was interesting, that very long um, Ravel Morrison interview with um, Rio Ferdinand, uh, which, if it's still on the internet, on YouTube, I'd I'd encourage you to seek it out. Very interesting about his career and people's perceptions of him. And he he sort of addresses that thing that quite often... um, you know, on social media, people go, uh, yeah, well, if he was any good, like one of these teams he went out to London, they keep him. They keep sending him back so it doesn't work. And he kind of went, what happens when you go out on loan? Uh, like, you know, Jesse Lingard did last season. Is, is, you, is you either go because a team's in terrible trouble and you playing for them is not going to get them out of that trouble or they just want to strengthen for the second half of the season and they're actually quite settled. So it's quite hard for you to get in that team. It's not, you know, you don't turn up as a lone player and just sort of, uh, you know, immediately go in just because they go, oh, we fancy a change. We'll have this guy that we don't know from this football team 300 miles away. We just get him to come in and play. There's quite often other issues at play, which is what the what that team is, how that team is performing at that particular time, you know. Mind you, you'd hope that your management team would do a bit of kind of, you know, due diligence on it and have conversations with the team that you're going, going to, not, not looking for guarantees or anything, but just sensing that it's the right kind of, kind of environment because it can work really well for, for, for players yeah. who are bossing it in youth team football like Defoe going to Bournemouth, Bournemouth you know yeah. scoring like 11 games in a row or whatever clearly yeah. did his confidence the world you know that was a useful 
phase in him stepping up to um, to top level football. Well, he's, it, you know, when we went to Bournemouth, they've got a kind of big mural of legendary Bournemouth players, and he's one of them. <laughs> he was a lone <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. Literally, a Bournemouth legend is a bloke they had on loan. Yeah, know? but he so, should be. Yeah, 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 of course he is. But I mean, that, scoring, you know, it's quite a. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. he's not very talented because he was a lone player, because that doesn't make any sense. Because Jesse Lingard was talented and was lone. It's just strange that a lone player has gone down in history at a football club. Do now, what do we make of um, Ockerflex, who I've noticed has been on the bench for the last couple of games, and when you see him playing for the under whatever they are, looks really good. Um, mm. in contrast to the other centre-forwards that we've had at that level that have looked good. And when they've stepped up, it re- hasn't really happened to, to them. But he, I, I'm quite excited by him. I think he he could feature yeah. in the second half of the season and uh, looks like he could probably handle it. He looks like he's got a bit of swagger um, and certainly the talent. Yeah. Discuss. He had a good game in that was it was it one of the preseason friends? Was Celtic. it one? Of, it was the one at Celtic. Wasn't Celtic, it? yeah. yeah. He, was, he, was he was good, good in, in that game. Yeah, they were they were wretched, mind, weren't they? In that, in that yeah, game. terrible. We murdered. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. He does look good. I've watched quite a few of the highlights of the and the occasional one live, uh, the under twenty three games, um, and they are they all look really good. You know, they 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 are sort of you know pacey and powerful as a team, and he's. I would say, you know, he's he's kind of going to be in. He's not really a centre. He's that sort of another wide attacker, isn't he? Yeah. So he's got a lot of people in the queue ahead of him at the moment who are playing well. And I have to say, yeah. you know, I, I do feel, um, you know, increasingly optimistic about Vlasic. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I, just, um, I just like tidy, isn't his it? kind of, you know, low. He's got that low centre of gravity. He's 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 a bit you know he's quite Bowen like in a way isn't he? Yeah, and, uh, yeah exactly. Um, yes, I, I think he's I think he's gradually feeling his way in. I think he's going to come good. Yeah, That's I think good. with uh, with Ben Rama going away for the African Nations Cup, I think that's going to have a chance for you know Lanzini yeah. means like Lanzini's kind of in and Vlasic uh, and obviously Fornals you know who had a sort of falling off of form. Uh, but I don't think it was as alarming as people thought. I I I, I th- thought he sort of found it a little difficult to get into games. Sometimes it's sort of it was odd. He looked like he just needed a rest, which is what he's had. It's so yeah. Antonio. Antonio was looking knackered before he got COVID. Yeah, he got COVID. He, and he's looked rejuvenated since he came yeah. back. And you hope that'd be the same with Fornells, really. Yeah, he's yeah. slightly suffering by falling into the kind of utility man. Yes, yeah, yeah. isn't he? He he kind of you know he he plays most games, but he doesn't he doesn't know what position he's going to be playing in until he kind of turns up, and it's like sometimes he's wide left because yeah, um, you know, and actually when he's not playing in that wide left position, we do look more vulnerable down that flank. A lot of opposition goals tend to come down down that that side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, but you sense he's probably he's probably at his best as as a sort of number ten as well. You know, so we've got yeah. we've got quite a few of those because Vla- that's that's to technically where Vlasic has played most of his oh. football. And well. also, still yeah. talk about bringing Lindelof back again if we can get him yeah. again, another yeah. one in that sort of position. And I can play yeah. again. But, but I, and I think I think Moyes really likes that. But, um, yeah. 
you yes. know, I talked about this one not being a Moyes player before, but uh, really solid at the back. And then going forward, players that can play anywhere across that line yeah. behind a solitary forward. And it doesn't, the, you can chop and change the personality, the, the personnel. In fact, that's the idea because then it's really hard yeah. for the other team to keep track and keep up with the tactics and they can switch and what have you. And it's good that we've got several players comfortable on either wing or in the middle. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's what he's that's what he set out to get. Well, away at Spurs in that uh, Carabao Cup game that we sort of narrowly lost, one thing that was, was very apparent was that, um, you know, it hasn't happened all the time because... You know, substitutions would essentially weaken the 11 players that are out there because what you've got on the bench is not as good. But I think Lanzini and Four Nows came on for Vlasic and Ben Rama, maybe. And they, you know, probably slightly improved uh, the team because they were just a bit fresher. Uh, they were very similar players, so it didn't disrupt the, the kind of, you know, formation, but they were a little bit less tired. So it just uh, sort of improved it. And and like-for-like substitutions, as you say, Vlasic is very similar to Bowen in a way. I think Vlasic's industry is really good. Yeah. I think he is industrious. Yeah. He's, looking for, he's looking to make things happen all the time. Yeah. I think, I think it... Um, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's sort of feeling a bit frustrated that he sometimes can't make things happen and, and isn't getting more minutes to make things happen. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think I think Moyes is, you know, just taking his time with him and is going, you can see why you're not getting minutes because we're fifth in the league. Yeah, <laughs> and I think whatever. he kind of accepts that. It, yeah. You know, he's the right kind of character. You can see how pleased the team were that he scored. You yeah. know, that, that, yeah. that's always a good sign, isn't it? You know, um, I always remember it was this, you know you look at that kind of body language I always remember when um, Ashley Fletcher scored at Old Trafford towards the end of the Pyatt kind of Pyatt yeah. just kind of, sort of like shrugging his shoulders and like walking away not even yeah. joining in you know a young yeah. lad who scored against his old club in a cup match at Old Trafford you know oh, fuck, I'm not interested in you yeah, um, yeah. You, you just knew at that stage that just you know you have to you can't have that kind of poisonous um, no no things going on in, in a dressing room. And, and, and yeah, Vlasic seems to fit the, fit the mould in terms of positive thinking, positive kind of playing, like a kind of, uh, plays a bit like a demented puppy, doesn't he? A bit yeah. like kind of Fornals yeah. was when he, when he started and has gradually settled into kind of understanding what his role is wherever he's playing in, in, in the and, and Bowen as well. And yeah. Absolutely. Three of them are quite Bowen. similar. Yeah, well, Bowen, Not, Bowen sort of, uh, you know, was was as at his best against Crystal Palace uh, as he has been for a are, long time. Are we vulnerable there, do we think, yes. this month? No, I wouldn't say this month, but I think yeah. the summer Liverpool will come in for him for sure. In the summer with Bowen, that. yes. I think and, so. I, and to be honest with you, well, this might be a controversial thing that, to the say, but... Grace. Sorry, go on. Right. No, so, yeah, yeah, my, yeah. I'd actually be more keen in the summer, this might be controversial, to keep Bowen than Rice, because I think with Rice, you'll get an absolute shed load of money for him. With Bowen, you won't get anywhere near as much for him, but uh, Suchek can be released a bit without Rice. They're both massive misses, but I think you're not going to get a replacement like for like the Bowen the same quality. I don't think any of the other ones across the, the front are as good as Bowen is. He was our best player comfortably against Watford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what helped us, what might help us is that he's not as good as Salah. <laughs> so, He's never and Salah, barring horrible injury, is going to be in that berth for Liverpool for 
quite some time. Yeah, he's 32 though, isn't he, Salah? Is he 31? Even so, he's going yeah. to he's going to be there for another Bit season at least. Bit if Bowen moves to Liverpool, stop, he's on the bench. That's true. Yeah, okay, you made me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he probably still doesn't score quite enough, you know, Bowen. He's yeah. not a goal machine. Um, you know, it's a little bit like um, Chelsea with sort of Timor Werner. That, you know, this. I mean, it's the problem with this kind of the phenomenon of the kind of the forward that isn't a striker, of mm-hmm. which, you know, we said the England team in the summer was just full of Raheem Sterling, Foden, you know, Saka, full of guys that, you know, are not strikers. They're yeah. attacking midfielders. And, you know, we went to that World Cup with only really kind of Harry Kane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin as out-and-out sort of centre-forwards. Salah, you know, plays like an attacking midfielder, but he's quite a goal-hanger. <laughs> You know, I mean, he, utterly he's, selfish. He's, oh, yeah, completely selfish. He's, he's a bit like, you know, on the shoulder of the last defender, isn't he? He's quite an old fashioned, you know, predatory Tony Cotty type yeah. forward. I mean, all I'd say yeah, is he's, that he's, played... he's got a huge number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't just score goals. No, no, no. We've no. we, we played two seasons now without a real recognised striker playing first team football for us. And look at the amount of goals we've scored. Well, they're yeah, spreading yeah. around, aren't they? It's, it's the weird... I can't I mean, remember the scores we had the last three games. So, I, I would argue games? that Antonio in that period of time has been a recognised striker. He's certainly been playing yeah. the role of recognised striker and I think that's that's what he is now yeah um, I mean it's it's true that we are you know we are scoring goals but there's a, been a lot of games this season and last season where we say David Moyes says everyone says not clinical enough in the last no, season no no you no, know, no that's, you know not scoring when we're on top yeah we're on top of a game yeah. for an entire 45 <laughs> minutes and don't put the ball in the net you know it's it, it's you know, when they come, they come big, but quite often we all just nick it. One, you know, quite a lot of those games last season, after we'd beaten Wolves and Leicester by four and three, we had a lot of games where we only won it like one nil at Fulham, you know, and, and we're lucky to, you know, our resilience and staying in the game meant that the solitary goal we scored but, was the difference. Yeah, but it, uh, in the calendar year of, of 21, we were, I think, third highest yeah. or fourth highest scoring oh. team. And and the big the the big thing is if you look at look at us we're, we're almost we're not we're not on Man City level obviously but we're 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 not far behind Chelsea in terms of scoring goals yeah but we're way behind them in stopping goals being scored against yeah, us yeah. and that's yeah. really where I think the next phase of Moyes's um, build team building has got it, it will focus because you've got Obama now injured and thirty four. Yeah. Um, he will be looking to replace him with the right man long term. You've got Zuma, was, I, th- I still think, the most brilliant signing uh, um, of the summer. Um, and so that, that, you know, that's the area of the, of, 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 the, of the team that needs upgrading most, I think. Yeah. We, we, are, we, we create chance, not always as clinical as we should be, but we certainly create chances against everyone and anyone. Yeah. And that, yeah. that time and time and time again, the, the sort of end of the match statistics have us ahead in one of shots, shots on target or expected goals. It's very unusual for us um, not to finish, a, you know, a, a game and be on top yeah. of one of those statistics. Yeah. Uh, so even in Gates Palace, we were down on shots, down on shots on target, but above them on expected goals. So, yeah. you know, every game, that's, that's true. 
And these last couple of games, it's good to see Suchek, you know, back in the goals against Watford and uh, Antonio yes. firing again because they, you know, we we sort of we need a small amount of goals from a wide amount of players because that's yeah. been what we're like. You know, we want you want Ben Rama to get one every now and again. You want four nows to get them. You want Suchek. And in the end, that's right. a more robust way of building a football team than relying on one, you know, mega striker, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, we should probably talk about uh, forthcoming games. What's our next league fixture um, Norwich Norwich, Norwich leads at home yeah. are the next two and then um, Leeds again yeah then, Leeds oh, well, in the cup, in the cup and Leeds then in the, the cup yeah. yeah yeah so it's Norwich yeah so I mean you know the, these are two potentially winnable games Leeds and Norwich uh, Norwich we should probably just talk about the Norwich game but um, uh, well I think they should win aren't they They're, I mean you know it's a yeah. real opportunity and you, you, you say this with caution, but it's a real opportunity this month in the league. You'd even include currently uh, Manchester United away in this uh, of, of a set of winnable games in the league. Uh, and time and time again, we say that and we look at it and we rub our hands. And the, you know, the, the team, even under Moyes, kind of slightly lets you down. But um, these are games that they should be looking to win. They should be expecting to win against Norwich, who everybody beats basically yeah. um and leads uh you know they, they 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 won their last game didn't they against burnley and put a little bit of cushion but they're not out of the relegation mix yet i don't think so no uh, no and i think they don't like playing us i think we i think we well, sort of you yeah. know there's something that we i mean Unfortunately, what it, what what we've done to kind of declaw Leeds in the last sort of season and a half um, might not happen with Diop and Dawson instead of you know Bonner and another you know. But they're shit another. at set, they're shit at defending set pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a fact of ours. So um, predictions for the Norwich game. Um, I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm going to be cautious and say we'll win it two nil. But uh, uh, it's the kind of game where it would really be nice for us to kind of put on the afterburners and really spank someone. They're, they're, they, they look all at sea to me as a team. Um, I've watched them a couple of times recently and they've been shocking. So uh, we put Watford to the sword. We should do that uh, to Norwich, but I'm going to go for a conservative 2-0. Mm. Rob? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I'm just the the gods of hubris are sort of uh, uh, yeah. honing inside, thinking that two nil is a cautious uh, prediction <laughs> when it comes to West Ham. Um, so I'm, I'm always erring on the side of the negative whenever I predict results, but it's so difficult because you can't look at yourself in the mirror and go, "Am I actually going to suggest that we're going to draw against Norwich?" You've got to say it's going to be a win, right? Uh, so I'll go the other way to Jim. I'll say three nil. It's going to be we're going to we're going to keep a clean sheet and everything will be fine. Ah, I can't believe I just said that. Sorry, everybody. Russell, what do you reckon? <laughs> um, I haven't seen enough of Norwich. I've just seen their scores. I think it's dangerous to judge against them. Uh, new year, new leaf. Um, um, I, I, uh, any, any win would be great. So I will go 1-0. 1-0. 
It's under the lights, isn't it? There wasn't mm. there. Didn't we have a four four all against Norwich once in the nineties? Three all. It was three all. It was, was one of the. the I think it was one of the very early Monday night Sky footballs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was, it was a it was a really that was when Norwich were really really quite good. They had real yeah. fun, people like that, and it was a yeah. really exciting thrill. I think Trevor Morley got a kind of diving head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were there. It was really good. It was a really yeah, good game, really one good. of the best games of football we'd seen for a long time. Yeah. Yes. So, you know... Well, the floodlights on that yellow and green, yeah, they were yeah. rather fetching, weren't they? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. no, it's, it's an art isn't it? It's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, they'll it's, still wear yellow and green. Well, they yeah. should be. Oh, they will. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the actual floodlights would be yellow and green. It's like disco lights or something. Exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, D- Delia Smith on the decks. Yeah, uh, <laughs> mix, mix master, but, it, but instead it's a food mixer. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say they will score then. Um, uh, two one. We'll win two one. Oh, they're all being yeah. Okay. Uh, of course, it's the FA Cup. Before that. Yes. This weekend. Oh, uh, yeah, of course it is. Leeds again. Um, yeah. uh, Leeds, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you wonder whether in their current situation, whether or not they might be, you know, even less interested in it than we probably yeah. will do. Um, it's a shame what's happened to the FA Cup, but that's another yeah. Yeah, that's another story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, as I say, the under-23s play the next day against their under-23s, so I don't know how... How many, whether, whether or not our, the under-23 teams will look more like under-18 teams and the yeah, cup teams yeah. will look like, you know, I don't know. Really, Huge, yeah, strange knock-on effect. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, shall we do p- predictions for that game? Yeah, it's a right. lot. No, yeah, it depends who no, plays, doesn't right. it? I, you'd yeah. like to think that we could progress. I, I think it'll, it's bound to be a KEG tight affair. I think we might do it 2-1. 2-1, Rob? Are they doing replays or are they doing it separately? Yes, I think they do no, replays. They make really, out. Yeah. Oh, we, we won't. No one will want that, will they? No. Okay. Well, I, I, I burnt up all my optimism points on the uh, the Norwich game, so I'll say we'll lose two one. Okay, Russell. Well, with with the exception of Rob, it's amazing how fickle we've become. We are <laughs> we are a, releg- a regular relegation fodder team, and now anything less than two wins against Norwich and Leeds <laughs> is unacceptable, and it will be unacceptable to me. So I will say three nil. Three nil. Uh, I'll say one nil. So we nick it one nil in a sort of quite a, quite a negative game for two <laughs> such attacking teams. I think they might actually be quite cagey. Um, well, that's it. Our prediction's done. Um, yes. Very good. Well, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans. With me have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. Rob Chapman. Thank you very much. And Russell Raphael. Come on, you irons. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show... Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.